0: Today's episode of Filmed and Phony Glasses was produced on Ableton Live Digital Audio Workstation. If you're ready to move up to a quality professional DAW, check out Ableton.com. Welcome to Filmed in Phony Glasses. I'm Bella Cosper, your host, and I watch a lot of film and TV with blind characters or blind themes, and I give you a first-hand point of view if it's cool or if it's cruel. I'm stressing the need for these shows to have performers or filmmakers with disabilities and to put a stop to these shows that basically portray us as aliens. So pour yourself a great big glass of carrot juice kick back, and let's discuss the writing, direction, and performance of this absolute mockery. Hello, Filmed in Phony Glasses listeners. Today we have in the studio Lee Pugsley. He's our writer, director, actor, producer, and currently he is directing an upcoming play at the Blue Door in Culver City titled Someone Who Will Watch Over Me.
1: Hey Thank guys, you. good to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's get started, Lee. Where did you grow up? Are you uh, an LA guy?
1: You know, I'm not an LA guy. I actually grew up in a uh, semi-small town in Idaho called Coeur d'Alene, the closest town that people would know of is Spokane, Washington, which is right across the state line, just about 20 minutes away from Coeur d'Alene.
0: Oh, wow, a whole nother state that they've got to recognize. (laughs)
1: Exactly, because nobody really knows Coeur d'Alene, so I'm I'm just like, have you heard of Spokane? And then they know what I'm talking about.
0: Now, are the potatoes really different in Idaho?
1: You know, interestingly enough, everyone always says, oh, so potatoes, and I've never actually seen a potato farm. I know that they're in the southern part of Idaho, and there's a rumor that we get our potatoes imported from either Wisconsin or Wyoming. No. So yeah, so I feel like Idaho just needed something as a staple to be famous for. (laughs) So they're like, let's do the potato, wherever it comes from, we'll figure that out later.
0: Wow. I don't know if I should like that or not like that. I love potatoes, and I wasn't preparing that question because I didn't know that you were from Idaho, but um, wow, Changes my whole idea about Idaho now.
1: I mean, they do have good uh, they do have good potatoes there. I mean, there's you know, good potatoes, other places too. so I can't say it's like the only standout place for potatoes. But, you know, there's some I've had some good potato dishes there for sure.
0: Well, the next time I see that bag in the store that says Idaho potatoes, I'm going to be like, yeah, right.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what I think nowadays, too. And all the license plates in Idaho say Idaho famous potatoes on them, too. <laughs> so that's a little fun side note.
0: Well, 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 Idaho. Now, were you in the industry back home?
1: So, um, how I kind of got my love for acting and all things entertainment, when I was younger, um, I was raised by a single mother and she put me in a bunch of different things like I grew up on a farm we raised farm animals but no potatoes no potatoes we did have a garden though where I did like carrots and lettuce and tomatoes and those things but no potatoes oddly enough so she put me in like you know I did piano lessons I did band for a little bit and she just wanted to give me a well-rounded exposure to all different activities the one that really stuck was theater and so, from a young age, I loved uh, I loved the art of creating. I loved going to the theater. I loved being at the theater. I loved acting. And I just love, like to me, theater is home. And so even as a kid I our community theater we could work as an usher and then we got to see the show for free. So there'd be some shows where I would usher like you know 12 or 14 times and just watch every performance of the show just cuz I wanted to be there and I had that bug. And funny enough when it comes to grounding, you know, when people, get when kids get grounded, so, yes. you know, it's usually like TV privileges that are taken away or you can't go play with your friends. For me, it was no involvement in theater where my mom was like, okay, no. you can't audition for the show or you're not going to get to see this production or you can't usher tonight. And that was so torturesome to me.
0: Oh, she was smart.
1: So she was smart. She knew how to get to me and it worked. I was definitely on my best behavior after, you know, those like punishments. So that's, kind of how I got my, um, I guess that's kind of how I got my like bug for acting and for just the art of creating and understanding what creativity was. And then, you know, as I got older, I um, grew up in Idaho doing community theater um, in elementary school, middle school and high school. I also did, you know, middle school and high school theater at my um, public, public school that I went to as well. And then in college, I actually studied theater and got a bachelor's of arts in uh, theater directing and performance. Oh, wow. And then I moved to, I well, I spent a few years in Orange County just trying to build up my uh, resume. I worked at a few different theater companies, did some directing projects over there. And then I moved to Los Angeles and just tried to play the field as we all do over here and just took opportunities, you know, did a few directing things, um, done some acting things, uh, some writing projects, uh, producing um, some of my own work as well. And that's kind of my track. And I just I just love creativity. I love the art of storytelling. I love the different ways that you can tell a story. And that's what I'm passionate about.
0: So what brought you to L.A.? Of course, it was all that, right? All the industry?
1: It was all that. Now, it's really funny because... Uh, When I was living, I went to school in Orange County to get my bachelor's degree. And I would come visit L.A. and I was like, I'm never going to move to L.A. This place is dirty. It's just like too crowded. And I'm like, if there's one thing in my life that I swear I'm never going to do, move to L.A. And as you know, luck would have it. uh, Just my roommates were moving to L.A. At the time, I wanted to move to New York, but I just didn't have the money to make a cross-country move it was more feasible for me to move with my roommates to Los Angeles. And I was like, you know, what? it's the entertainment capital of the world. There could be some good opportunities there. So I'll try my hand at it for a little while. And if I don't like it, I'll move away. And I honestly did not expect to like living in L.A., but it's grown on me. I've been here for about eight years now, and I really enjoyed it. I just love all the opportunities. I love the fact that you're in a place where anything could happen at any time. And that just makes everything so exciting. Like you wake up every day and you're like, what's going to happen today? Who could I meet? What kind of project could I do? And in the meantime, you meet a lot of really good people, make a lot of really good friends, and have a good support system. And that also keeps you grounded, keeps you humble, and makes all the difference in the world.
0: Well said. Well said.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Now, you're a member for Theater for the Blinds.
1: Yes, I am. And um, just to give the listeners some background on theater by the blind. It's part of a bigger organization called CRE Outreach, which they serve over 1,000, I I believe it's 1,080 people in the Los Angeles area. They work with underprivileged youth, veterans, and um, artists of all disabilities. So they have a music group that um, is made up of The lead um, piano player of that group, he's autistic and blind, and then the other members of that group also have various disabilities. The group I'm a part of is under CRE Outreach called Theater by the Blind. They're the only blind theater company in the nation. They do shows with completely blind and visually impaired actors.
0: Awesome. And just for the, the sighted listeners out there, can anybody attend a show and get it? if they're, uh, sighted?
1: Absolutely. Anyone can attend a theater by the blind show. And it was actually very interesting for me because I joined the group last year, last May, and I'd never really been a part of a group like this. I didn't even know a group like this existed. And, uh, so it was just interesting to see, like, how they do, how the process goes. Like, the actors learn the blocking patterns. They have these mats on the floor so that they can, get the gist of like you know how many steps you travel to find your mark you know to find where the couch is where's the table and they just get the blocking in their body they get the uh sense of movement in their body and then you know it's just like any other show that you would see they memorize their lines Um, we still work on character development and we work on um you know just anything else that you would see in a regular theatrical production and The bottom line about theater by the blind or anyone that has a disability and is in the entertainment community is first and foremost, we're artists and the disability is a component of who we are, but it is not the defining factor. It's not like I'm the blind director. Now I'm a director who just happens to be blind. You know, if you're an actor, you're first and foremost an actor. You're an actor who happens to be blind. But, you know, it could just be the same thing as, you know, you're an actor who happens to be male. You're an actor who happens to be female. You're an actor who happens to be Hispanic. It's a a component of who you are. But first and foremost, you are an artist.
0: I'll say it again. I've said it before. I call it disability because it teaches us just to do things in more creative ways. You know, it's, it's a lot more interesting to put up a production and work around these little things that are designed for other people.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I love um, that terminology too. And I fully stand behind that 100%. Well,
0: thank you, sir. Now the entire cast is vision impaired or blind? Is that right?
1: Well, the entire cast of um, the show, cause I was an actor in the theater by the blind show that just closed. We had a five weekend run um, to a sold out sold audiences every night, which was great. The show I'm currently directing, Someone who Watch Over Me, I have a cast of three, and they're all uh, fully sighted actors. And the reason that I chose to do that is because I think it's really a valuable experience for those in the sighted community to get a sense of, like you were saying, the creative ways that you know, people with you know, any sort of seeming disability do things, and just to realize they are still very capable, they are still just exactly. as artistically inclined and have just as much artistic ability as anyone else. And I think it's a really good educational experience for them. I also think it's giving them a very unique experience. Like when I first talked to my cast, I told them, you know, this is a little unconventional. I'm not going to you know, lie about that. I'm not going to try to hide that. But I guarantee you that you will never have another experience like this with a director.
0: Right on. All right, so tell us a little about the play.
1: So, written by Frank McGinnis, it premiered um, in, I believe it started out in London first. Um, I could po- totally be wrong about that, but I know that it was, in Bro- it was on Broadway in the early 90s. It's a cast of three, and basically the premise is um, an Englishman, an American, and an Irishman, which sounds like the beginning of a good joke. <laughs> I know. But an Englishman, an American, and an Irishman are held hostage in a prison cell in Beirut, Lebanon. And it doesn't really dive into the political climate or get into all the politics of war, any of that stuff. It's more so about these three people coming from different cultural backgrounds, having preconceived notions about who the other is, you know, having certain stereotypes in their mind of who these people are, what their culture represents, all of those things. And learning how to overcome their prejudices, to work through their differences, to come to a place of unity. And to realize at the heart of who we are as humans, we're all the same. We have the same basic human needs. We have the same basic human longings. And in order to live in this world in unity, we need to embrace one another. So it's very much a piece about unity. It's a very beautiful piece. It's a very poignant piece. You'll laugh. You'll cry. And I think it's a very timely piece as well, just considering, you know, where our nation's at, and there's been just so much disunity, so much um, hate spread around, so much, um, you know, people just, yeah, just so much division. And this is a piece that reminds us that, hey, there's another way that we don't have to be divided. We, despite our different views and our um, different perspectives, we can still find a way to live harmonious. We can still find a way to care for one another. And the whole idea of the show, someone to, someone who watch over me, is that each of these guys they're watching over the other they're taking care of the other they're helping the other not go mad they're helping the other stay sane they're helping the other keep their spirits up keep hope alive and that's what I think we all need to do in this day and age
0: I agree totally yeah and and when you you know people will see differences in one another skin color ability sexual preference all those things but then when it comes down to it and you're on the same team, like they would be in this prison, they see that they but they all have the same basic human needs and they can protect one another.
1: Yes, de- definitely. That's definitely um, the message of the show. And that's what I hope that people take away. And I hope that people not only see it as just a piece of entertainment because it is very entertaining and the cast is incredibly talented and I'm so proud of them, but This can also serve as a reminder to us of kind of, you know, if we need to reorient our perspective, we need to, like, kind of refocus the way that we're viewing other people or we're viewing the world that hopefully this piece will remind people to do that.
0: Who all are in the cast?
1: Uh, So there's three actors. um, They're um, Eric, Ryan, and Garrett. And they're all, um, I just can't talk enough about how talented they are, how just on their game they are. They came in, you know, first day of rehearsal, and they just brought so much to the table in our table read. They always come prepared. You know, I'm as a director, the way that I work with actors, I always ask them a lot of questions. I'm like, what are you thinking here? Why are you doing this? What's your motivation for this? What's your motivation for that? What's your objective? And I just ask question after question because I think the one of the most effective ways to pull things out of your actors, get them to make discoveries about their characters, to get them to realize things for themselves. It's like, you know, me as a director, I don't always have the answers, mm-hmm. but you, don't? you know, I'm, I'd love to say I do, but I have, you know, I may have an answer or an idea of what I think, but I think it's more beneficial to let the actor discover it for themselves rather than just to tell them, this is your motivation. This is who you are. This is what you're thinking. This is the, sc- the discovery you're making. And so any time that I ask um, Eric, Ryan, or Garrett a question, they always have an answer. They always come prepared, and they give me so much to work with. They're absolutely um, incredibly hardworking and such a delight to work with. Um, and then well, I guess one other thing I'll say about that, too, is you know, at the, at the, you know, they trust me, too. And at the beginning of this, I sat down with them, and I was like, hey, I know that this may take a little more trust to trust a blind guy with this. But I promise you that my goal here is to make you guys the best you can be. My goal here is to challenge you, to stretch you, to make sure that you have everything you need to succeed. This is not about me. This is about you guys. So I'm asking you to trust me, and let's have a trust relationship. You trust me, I'll trust you, and together we'll collaborate and we'll make something beautiful.
0: Wow. (laughs) You would be a great director to work with.
1: Well, uh, thank you. I try, you know, like, you know, no, I'm still learning and no one's perfect here. But um, one of the things that's very important to me, though, um, and this kind of goes, I guess, with the message of the piece, too, is just valuing people. Like in this industry, um, the entertainment industry, there's so many people. um, This is a big generalization, but oftentimes it seems like people are only valued for the product that they produce. And not valued for the person that they are. And to me, it's very important to value people both personally and professionally. Yes. And so, you know, the first day of rehearsal, I sat down with my actors and I was like, hey, like, I'm here for you professionally and I will push you and, you know, we will reach that higher bar of artistic excellence. But, you know, at the same time, let's be, you know, real. We're all human. We all get stressed. We all get overwhelmed. We're going to come to rehearsal sometimes. We're going to be tired. We're going to have something else on our mind. And if, you need to talk about it or we need to take five minutes just to get it off our chest or if there's anything I can do for you outside of rehearsal to make sure that you're personally cared for. I'm here for that too. Like to me, being a director is also about serving the needs of the people I'm working with making sure that they're well taken care of because if they're not personally taken care of, they're not going to be as effective professionally.
0: Exactly. Wow, that would be great to work with you. Again, we worked on that one project. But, but as actors.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm always, you know, looking to do new projects, so maybe we can work together sometime. I would love that.
0: We will. We oh,
1: will. Absolutely. Looking forward to it.
0: So the show begins August 10th?
1: Yeah, the show begins August 10th. Um, August 10th, 11th, and 12th. Then August 17th, 18th, and 19th. Fridays and Saturdays at 8 p.m. And Sundays at 3 p.m. At the Blue Door in Culver City, uh, you can get tickets at CREoutreach.org, and just click on the Buy Tickets link at the top of the page on the menu, and you will see the Someone Who Watch Over Me poster. Click on that, and you can get tickets. It's going to be a great show, so I hope that as many people as possible are able to come check it out.
0: That sounds amazing. I will be there.
1: Nice. I'm so excited.
0: Are there any other events you want to pitch? Anything else coming up?
1: After this show, um, I'm doing another show as an actor called The Boys Next Door uh, by Tom Griffin. This is a show that's been around for a while. It's often done by high schools and colleges and, you know, some regional theaters, community theaters. It's done all over the place. I'm an actor in that show. The basic premise of the show is there's four um, mentally handicapped um, men that live in a group home. And they have a caregiver, and it's basically just about their lives and just the different dynamics of what it's like to live in that world. It's very heartwarming. It's very um, touching. And it's also very funny. It's just um, it, it brings a lot of warmth. It brings a lot of smiles to everyone. Um, that show will be at the Blue Door in October and November, uh, so you'll have to come check that out as well. Awesome. And um, you know to keep up with you know just different events that are coming up on my end, you can follow me at Lee Pugsley L E E P U G S L E Y on both Instagram and Twitter.
0: And there are a few Lee Pugsleys I noticed last night. Really? Yeah, there's a, a lady named Lee Pugsley. Spelled and the same way. Yes. Oh, yes. interesting. I know because I was gonna write down all of your your social media and stuff, and I was like, whoa, there's more than one Lee Pugsley.
1: Wow, that's crazy. I'm going to have to research this myself now. Yeah. You learn something new every day.
0: I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating. I found about five.
1: Okay, to okay. To be honest. Mm-hmm. I need to be friends with all of these Lee Pugsleys. So, yes, all should. the other Lee Pugsleys listening, friend me. Let's be friends. Lee Pugsleys unite.
0: And last but not least, what is your favorite scent in the entire universe?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm a big clone guy. Like, I used to have a clone cabinet where I had, like, eight bottles of clones for different— um, Different women? Di- well, you know, different women, possibly, but also just, like, different occasions. Like, the sports one, like, uh, going to a sporting event, it was Adidas. Summer was Eternity or Escape by Calvin Klein. Oh, wow. Like, formal events was Ralph Lauren Romance. Semi-formal events would be—what uh, was it? Oh, semi-formal events would be Hugo. But my everyday cologne, and this is probably my favorite scent, is Aquedegio by uh, Giorgio Armani. That's my favorite scent in the world.
0: I, I'm I'm not savvy to all the different colognes and perfumes, so that's really interesting.
1: Like my dream would be to have a cologne cabinet that just has like a hundred different colognes, but you know we gotta have the bankroll for that. So I'm still waiting for that one to that ship to come in.
0: <laughs> that's your dream is to have a cologne cabinet.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, Lee. I can't wait to see the show. And all you guys out there, if you're in L.A., please make it out to see this show. It really relates to what's happening today, and, and it's, a, it's a timeless piece, this, this topic that the show's about.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, please come see it. And, Bella, thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. And you're a pure joy.
0: Aw. Say that one more time.
1: You're a pure joy.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a it's been a pleasure having you over. So tune in next time, everybody, and please check out Someone Who Will Watch Over Me, directed by Lee Pugsley <laughs> at The Blue Door in August, creoutreach.org. Thank you for tuning in. If you have a show that you would like for me to review, write it down in the comments, and I'll be happy to review it and let you know if it's cool or if it's cruel. Have a great day.